Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm Joe Velarde, your host. I'm excited to have today with me uh, someone I've known for a very long time, uh, my whole life, my identical twin brother, John Velarde. And what we're doing over these recent episodes is we're really trying to work through how, what do we need to learn in the midst of COVID-19? How do we pivot? How do we lead through it? Um, but then also I wanted to hear from people who have been instrumental and influential in my life as far as providing a vision for the Valley and causing me to do uh, what it is I do and how I see it. Um, but then the last part of that is I have a lot of questions about life and leadership. So I wanted you to hear uh, from those who I would ask questions about. And John, those guys. So John, thanks for being on the podcast, man. My pleasure. Pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Well, it's exciting times. I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> I'm a big fan of your work as well, my brother. Um, and one of the things that John has been leading is his team, uh, local restaurant Chick-fil-A Whitehall. And in the midst of the virus, uh, with the, the pandemic and, and all that's going on with that, um, one of the things that John has, has seen, um, even in the midst of that challenging time, is they've experienced exponential growth in the season. And so, John, I just wanted to ask you to share with us, what are some of the ways you've had to pivot? What are some of the ways that you have had to, to change what it is that you've done? And how would you encourage leaders in this season uh, where they are, both business leaders and those who lead in other ways as well? Yeah, I think um, one is we obviously don't have a dining room open right now. So our dining room is closed down. Carry out service is closed down. So we currently have three uh, mediums that you can run through, which is uh, our drive-through. And then our uh, mobile app, which you can place a curbside order and third-party delivery, which is, you know, Door, Door, DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, and those type of um, vendors. The thing I would say is um, the way we've had to pivot, I think the pivot actually probably started two years ago, and we were prepared for the moment prior to the pandemic, and we just didn't know it. We didn't know that these minor things that we were doing um, – um, two years ago, we committed to third-party delivery to every vendor that was available in our area. We committed to that when it was available, um, just because we thought that that was the wave of the future. Um, secondly, with the app, we really went all in on the app, uh, probably around the same time. In particular, you can you know place a mobile order and uh, drive-through and curbside. So if you don't know what that, that app is, essentially, you can go to the app store, download the Chick-fil-A One app, place your order, get it brought out to you, earn points, get free reward. And so we just leveraged both of those those um, things really aggressively. And we obviously have been trying to pump out a drive-through for a really long time. And so the, the thing I would say is um, sometimes it's easy to look at um, those small decisions. Cause I didn't, I didn't know just like Joseph, he probably didn't know when he started trying to go through Facebook live and YouTube and, podcast that that was actually going to be a necessary tool that uh, he finds himself in. But I think the one thing is, you know, if you can figure out a way to be a, on the front end of those, some of those um, new mediums, 
um, and figure out ways to evolve as culture is evolving as opposed to reacting. Is it once you react to it, a lot of times it's too late, or you're really. And so now, uh, you know, if you're, for instance, using Joseph's context, if you were a church and you never did an online service, you'll figure it out. Uh, but it'll be really hard to figure it out fast, right? Hmm. Uh, already had that that medium already set up, and so, um, you know, technology is one of those things that you know it, it's you can learn it quickly. But um, I think for our context, I think what I would say is we we just really went in on some of these newer technologies, newer marketing strategies, and the initial thing was we were just trying to get as many sales as we could, um, and try to pull a bunch of different levers and just see which one works. How, however, those three happen to be the ones that really worked. And so, um, you know, I think that, like I said, the pivot, we oftentimes like to think the pivots happens in the moment. Well, maybe the pivot started happening six months, 12 months, a year, two years prior to actual uh, situation you find yourself into today. Well, that's so good. I and mean, I, I was going to say too, one of the things John has been for him and he's very, uh, forthcoming with this is they have a double drive-through. So first of all, they have a drive-through, but then they have a double drive-through, uh, which helps the situation. And so as you think about, John, a lot of the the leaders that you're talking to and, and they find themselves not necessarily being on the front end of making changes, like you guys had did two years ago, but they're in the middle of it and they're like, man, we're like so behind. <laughs> and like, we, we can't even... Uh, you know, operate the way obviously we were operating, but we don't we don't know what to shift in the midst of what it is we find ourselves in. So what would you say to them? How could they pivot while they're even in the middle of the crisis? Yeah, and I think it depends on kind of where you what kind of line of work you find yourself in. But I always like to think about what would be um, not what would be the amount of adjustment as far as like adjustment not only for your clients, but for you, but could yield the most result. So I would take inventory and make a list. What are those things? And whether it's, you know, we could go through third-party delivery as an option. Like for instance, you're a restaurant and you don't have third-party delivery. Hey, I need to generate more sales in my restaurant. Okay, well, go ahead and sign up with DoorDash today. That's an immediate thing I could do. I could promote that. Um, if you're not for instance, not on social media and having ag aggressively tackled that. Um, and that was one of the things I forgot to say too. We have aggressively engaged our community with social media throughout mm -hmm. the last years to try to tell compelling stories that engage the heart of who we are in the community that we sit in. But I would say if you're not doing that, that's, I mean, more people now than ever have more time on their hand than at home, look at their device and do that. So I think you just got to take inventory and figure out, hey, where, where do I, where do I think would render the biggest return on investment at this moment in light of where I find myself at. And then I would always start with the things that are free. <laughs> Think about that. So social media doesn't cost anything to do. Hmm. You do well, right? Are you doing that? Um, are you learning? Do you know how to do zoom? If, and if you do, uh, and if you don't, are you learning how to do that and leveraging that technology? So for instance, what if you started doing like, online zoom classes for a business that you have. So like you are a chef and you want to teach people how to cook or build something, or we go down the list of things that you could potentially do. 
So I, I think I think what I would just encourage you to think about is, hey, what's free? What costs the less amount from an investment all around, and what's going to render um, the biggest return? But then I do think you got to figure out some strategic bets on like, hey, where do I find myself at, and what is distinctive to who I am, where we are, and where we want to be, mm-hmm. and leverage those assets accordingly. So as you as you think about that too. Uh, John, I, I know one of the things you have said um, about Zoom in particular is, um, you know, that's a technology that's available. And even if you don't want to pay for it, they have a free option as well. Yep. Um, so I want to encourage you to, to definitely check that out and really figure out what works for you uh, to connect with your customer base, um, the community. How can you get out? what it is you do and really help people to be bought into that and brought into to what's going on. And John, we're going to say something. Because what I was going to say is people will keep saying like, I can't wait for it to go back to where it was. I'm just going to let you know, like there are going to be some things that are going to go back to some traditional things, but the third party um, platform for delivering the and uh, experiences, I don't think is ever going away. I think if you can figure out a way to like leverage that at, in your business, leverage that for your personal brand, excel at that, now is the time to do that because the reality is, I mean, you look at companies like, um, I think Twitter just announced that they are no longer, you will no longer be going to an office to have work. Hmm. So that's, that's not just for COVID. After COVID passes, nobody will ever go back to Twitter or office. They will all be working remotely. Now, nature, that's the nature of the work they do, but in the same vein, you're going to see seeing a lot of other organizations do that. So if you can build, um, build a repertoire in this um, area of Zoom and this type of technology, I think it's good. And what you'll also find is your meetings actually are a lot more effective too because you kind of get past some of the fluff that takes, like, I don't feel like sometimes in a meeting, like, it takes a while to get into the meeting, but like you're in the zone when you start. Um, mm-hmm. And so, it's just a couple of thoughts I have for you. Yeah, and so uh, as you think about leaders who are feeling really discouraged in the midst of all that's going on, what would you say to them, John? Like, you know, they're kind of just are looking at their cells. They're looking at how behind they are and the, uh, behind the eight ball. You know, um, their business may not even make it. You know, post this. Um, what would you say to them? Well, one, I want to just say I'm I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry, and it's um, a really difficult situation that we, we, we ourselves in and may find yourself in, and you never want to minimize that. Um, it's just really, really challenging and really hard. And so, one, I want you to know that you're not alone, so acknowledge that. Two, um, I would say um, I think we often like to get to the 30 days from now. The one thing I've had to tell myself is what, how, many, how do I just do – the second, the minute, and the day that's in front of me hmm. as a the next 30 days that are in front of me. And, you know, eventually you'll get to that point, but how do I do this, this moment, this day? And uh, I just want to encourage you, you know, how do you maximize the day that's in front of you? Because really that's all we have right now. Um, we're, not really, we're not really promised the future. We're not really certain what the future looks like. Uh, the other encouragement I would give is um, – do the, do the next right thing. A lot of times we get so hung up on 
Um, I don't know what to do because we're trying to solve all the puzzles, the pieces of the puzzle. And that's a really hard place to be. I've been there before. And it's like, well, what's the next right step? Like it may be, it may be a phone call to a friend that's a leading marketing expert, or it may be, um, and it may be, Hey, you know what I need to do? The next right thing for my mental health is to go for a run route outside right now. Um, that may be the next right thing for you. Now, if you find yourself in a situation that your business may not make it, I want to one, not gloss over that and just say, man, that, that really is difficult and really stinks. However, um, hope, hope is often bo bore and future often bore out of, out of, um, failures and go look at the list of people who had that have not made it or churches that haven't made it companies that haven't made it and um something really good has come on the other side of that and so it doesn't necessarily minimize the pain i certainly don't want to do that um, but i think that there's going to be some unexpected opportunities mm -hmm. uh in this new economy that we find ourselves in that um you know, after you clean up the rubble of what you find yourself in, you still got a skill set that a lot of people don't have. And uh, I think if you can position yourself to do that, do that. But also, I would say you know, the one thing I really want to stress is well, for everyone out there, own your pain or your pain will own you. Yeah. If you don't deal with what's going on internally, whether that's, you know, the anxiety or depression or dark thoughts um, or maybe some betrayals that have happened to you. Um, it's not necessarily your fault. Some of those things have happened. It's but what is your responsibility is the path forward. So that may be a phone call to a counselor, a friend that may be uh, a change in your diet and exercise routine. That may be time and God's word daily. It may be, Hey, instead of, I think we have to go against the cultural norm right now, which is sleep in, go to bed late, no, like what were you doing before COVID-19? Hmm. Were you going to bed early and were you waking up early? And I know certain things happen and it may have changed that, but I'm just asking like, what was your, what was your routine before this happened? And try to build some kind of normalcy into what you can do. Get out, you know, get outside, fresh air. Um, hmm. Put your phone down, focus in on um, the people that are around you, the people that love you. So, this is just a, a lot to kind of chew on, but bottom line is what I want you to hear, what your situation you find yourself in is um, you matter, you have a purpose, life's not over, the best isn't behind you, but it's in front of you, and it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say too with that, um, I would start evaluating what are your marketable skills. And yes. what I simply mean by that is obviously you started something or you've led something or you are in the middle of that. I think it's important as a leader right now that you take inventory about who you are. First of all, your value and significance, but then your abilities as well, because not everybody's doing what you're doing, nor have they been able to do that. And what could be on the other side of an obstacle is this incredible opportunity. So you have to, but you have to have a, uh, perspective to see it i think what's difficult right now is we're kind of in survival mode and so when john's talking about these health healthy life-giving habits i think they're important because they will help uh, to your soul about what it is um, that you uh, need to hear about who you are 
but then also what is next, you know, and I think um, not to be a person who's afraid of that, even though it is unsettling and uncertain and disorienting. Um, you, when you're disoriented, it's an opportunity to be reoriented <laughs> to who you are and who you're intended to be. And yeah. so in, in the midst of that, I would, I would encourage you just to map out, Hey, what have I been able to do? You know, know your story as far as, um, your accomplishments, and you can do that in a humble way, uh, your skills, uh, the people you've worked with, people who will vouch for you. you know, these are important things just for you to be thinking about. And then I think even in the business part of that is, you know, finding new ways to, in leadership, and finding new ways to do what you were trying to do, but there may be a more effective way to do them. And I, I think specifically with John, and I know that not everybody finds them in this, themselves in the circumstance, but John knew before that it was required that he, you know, before to, Governor Wolf said, hey, we don't want any of the restaurants to be open up for dining room. John said, hey, you know what? We're not going to wait till it's officially say it, said for that. You know, like he gave kind of a, a deadline, Governor Wolf, about that. But what John did is a week or so prior, he said, hey, we're going to go to make this shift. And by making that shift, it allowed his systems to fully catch up and scale up to what it is that they needed to do. Um, do you remember? You remember what I'm talking about, John? Like when you made that shift, even though like a lot of people were like, "Why? Why are you doing that so fast?" Or what? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of commentary around that. But you know, I think I think to be forward-thinking enough, even when it's not the most popular decision, but it's the right decision, and and so. Specifically for John, it was, hey, how do I protect my employees, my cu the customer? You know, how can we be for Whitehall in the midst of this? And I think that principle, though, goes across the board. Like, sometimes it's not going to feel like the right thing, but it is the right thing. And so have, have the foresight to see it, even though it's going to be uncomfortable because growth, change, and achieving the best – often is what happens when we're um, uncomfortable, you know, and if we'll ride that through, we'll see that. John, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I would agree with all that, but I think, yeah, you know, the pain, the pain often produces the growth that we want, you know, mm -hmm. echo that and um, whatever that decision is or whatever that thing you're going through is that pain can be redeemed and not, it's not a waste of pain. God, God can use it all um, to be leveraged for our good and for his glory. So, yeah, I think experiences are wasted. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is go back to free services. We talked about social media, one social media platform that always gets forgotten is LinkedIn. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, hey, and even if you're not, I would really encourage you to invest in your LinkedIn profile. Build your resume. It's like a, an online resume. So if you're looking for, you look for new opportunities, new connections, it's a great time to really get that up and running so that you are ready to, to go and dialogue with people um, that may be looking for someone or who knows, man, it may just be someone that needs a service that you provide and uh, you can do that and go from there. Well, that's good, man. And, and I would say too, uh, with that, you know, as you, as you look at, the idea of pivoting 
and, and working with people, one of the things that we don't want to miss is the people part of what we do because we really are in the people business. And John has said that before. Uh, I know that to be very true with what I do um, as well. And so one of the things that has had to take place in this time, yes, we have a product, you know, that John was getting out. But in the midst of the product getting out, not to lose sight of what matters most and that's the people. And so, John, I want to ask you, you know, as you think about the tension as, as a leader and, and managing all that stress, there's that part of it. But then watching um, how the employees are, are managing their own stress, can you, can you just give us a, a picture of what it's like right now in, in the, and you don't have to give specifics about who the people are, but, you know, just about, you know, the stress that they're entering into as they are, are going to work. And then on the flip side, the stress you're seeing from the customers as they're working with you as well. Yeah, I would say um, the stress level for uh, the team member, you know, we're obviously kind of ground zero because we're so close to New York City and Philadelphia. You know, I just think there's, you know, some natural fears with this uh, pandemic and, you know, we could go through the statistical data of the rea- uh, realities of all that, but the, for them and the way that they feel, either they have someone at home who's got cancer or someone who's got uh, a immune, a weakened immune system that's really, um, they, they could be really um, open to this virus and so they're fearful of that. And then there's people that are losing, losing their jobs. You know, they're, they're now the, you know, I had a, I was sitting with, I think she was 17 year old who her mom was um, essentially lost her job, decided not to work there because of safety reasons. And so she's now a 17 year old providing for her family with Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And so the stress of just trying to care for everyone and serve for, serve people while also trying to deal with what we're doing at the restaurant. And I think, you know, what you try to do is be a common presence where you try to engage people and try to like, you know, listen to people, hear where people are at, what people are wrestling with. You offer, you offer uh, encouragement, you offer prayers, hmm. you offer practical things like, you know, food and, you know, extra cash or whatever, whatever that looks like for you. But at the end of the day, I think it's just this, this common presence and just showing, just showing up, you know, day in and day after. Um, for each individual because each person does carry a lot of weight. From a customer side, I mean, we've got some of the greatest customers in the world. However, I think this time has definitely heightened a lot of their stresses. And, you know, they, they uh, have a, I think, are having a difficult time knowing how to not take it out in places that maybe not be real healthy. So our team is trying to engage them and, Keep them calm, but also trying to, you know, do what we call dual, dual, dual respect, respect for the team member and respect for the guest. And it's a two way street. And so I think the challenge, man, is that, you know, we're, I knew it going into it, but as this thing has lingered, you know, we're essential workers. Mm-hmm. And I think the reality is, I think sometimes people forget that, yes, it is amazing what the hospital staff does, but what all these employees have done throughout this crisis to show up and to serve and mm. be with the public, um, to provide food while many other places can't do that. Mm. And while it's an honor, 
also, you know, a tremendous, tremendous pressure. And so, you know, for me personally, I just take my hat off to them and really respect them. And I think we have the public just be mindful when we go into any place, whether it's a restaurant or a grocery store or that's, that we've deemed as essential that we treat all those individuals with honor, the dignity and respect that they do. Um, and they're just trying to do their best. And that's the reality is we're all trying to do our best. So. Yeah, and I, th- I think one of the, the most important things that we can do is to first remember uh, the value and significance that we have. So we are made in the image of God. But not only are we made in the image of God, the people that we're dealing with are made in the image of God. And one of the, the most challenging parts to remember in the midst of a situation like this is calm breeds calm, but fear breeds fear, or panic breeds panic. Right. So when you walk in to a room or you treat people in a way that speaks of anger, anxiety, fear, um, all kinds of different emotions, and those emotions themselves are not bad or wrong. But when they're, you know, 311 had this song that I, I like to listen to when I was growing up. It's called Misdirected Hostility. Um, whenever you have misdirected hostility and you're not really addressing what's going on deep within you it always will spill out. And especially it starts with the people closest to you, but then it works its way out to these little new uh, nuisances and stresses. Like give an example at John's restaurant, the drive-through lines are huge and they're doing their very best to get them through, working through speed. But the way that the store is designed, it, it goes right to MacArthur Road. And so sometimes the line is so long, you know, and people don't know what to do with that. And, and the team's trying to work through that and, but I think naturally that stress is like, oh, man, I'm here and we're not moving and it's going slower. And, you know, I think knowing what we're walking into and being honest about what it is and what it isn't like, everybody's doing their best they can given the set of circumstances. We're but that, out as fast as we can. Right. Right. They're trying to get them out as fast as they can. And, and as we think about doing the best you can, given the set of circumstances, one of the things you can always give is your best attitude. Like you get to choose your attitude. You know, and, and I, I often say gratitude will, will always change your attitude. And I'll even add another caveat to that. Gratitude will always change your bad attitude. So one of the things you have to do is have that perspective of, Hey, these are the things that I'm grateful for in the midst of a difficult time. It's not just honest about what's happening, but it even requires you to look at, yes, you're paying for food at Chick-fil-A, but are you thankful for the fact that you could actually even go to Chick-fil-A? that they have the ability to serve you, that they have people who are there uh, to walk with you. And then as a leader, I think it's important that we know that going in, we're dealing with two people, two sets of people who are dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety around the season. You know, those that work with us or, or for us and the customers that we serve. And so we have to, we have to manage those tensions. And part of managing that is to do what John said before about those healthy habits. We've got to make sure we're taking care of ourselves because the anxiety level is, is so high right now. The fatigue of problem solving, the uncertainty, the, you know, you're, you're dealing with people who are in such a high stress um, way of life right now. And they're, they're feeling that. And so I think taking care of yourself not for the sake of just taking care of yourself, but to really, allow yourself to have the space and capacity to care well for others in the midst of that. And so I think that's an important lesson, not only for leaders of businesses and organizations, 
but even for every person, are you doing the work for, for who you're intended to be so that you have the capacity to receive care to give care to others? Because it's so calming um, when you can come with a, a presence that says, hey, I'm here to listen, I'm here to help, I'm here to walk alongside, I'm here to pray. You know, these are the things that we can do. And, and they don't cost anything, but they do cost time. Um, but we have to have the bandwidth to do so. So I want to encourage you to think about that and, and to even encourage us all to make sure we're being mindful of all the essential workers. That we're expressing gratitude to them. I love when I'm with a, when I go to John's restaurant or, you know, I, me and my son Ray are doing this thing called uh, Donuts with Daddy uh, once a week. And one of the things I love to do is when I go to the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru, they don't know what to always say to me about this. I don't ask them to say anything back to this, but I simply just tell them, hey, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. I know it's a difficult season to be working, but thank you. And you know what? That changes, I think, the, the way the conversation and relationship looks. They're there to serve me, right? But I'm also there to serve them because I care about people. And we're in the people business. No matter where we are positionally, no matter where, where we are um, in, our, in our lives, when we go out and about, we always have an opportunity to be in the people business. Um, and, and that is, is unique to, to each and every one of us that we have something to offer to the people around us. So, John, as you think about being for the customer and the employee, I've noticed over this last two months, almost three, right? It, it was, <laughs> I, I lose track of time how long it's been. But um, in the midst of it, I've noticed that you've tried to go above and beyond to be for the, the people around you. Again, those who work with you and, and for you, but also uh, the customers. I, I know I've benefited from that. My, my son's birthday uh, was, was March 28th. And we obviously were practicing social distancing and trying to really honor uh, the protocols that were given. And, and it made it difficult because you couldn't have family over for a birthday party. And I, I reached out to my brother and just said, man, do you think like we could have somebody, anybody sing happy birthday to him? And uh, man, that made my son's day. Uh, he, he pulled up to the, we pulled up to the drive through and John had told them, Hey, it's Ray's birthday. And as soon as uh, we got there, they're like, Hey, I heard it's Ray's birthday today. He's turning four. Happy birthday. And you should have seen his face light up. And then we drive around and, and then John and him sing happy birthday. And uh, they, they film it and capture it for us and uh, go on to post it. And then the, you know, there were this things, these little touches that they did to celebrate with us. But the, the thing that I love about this is John obviously does that for me because I'm his brother, but he doesn't just do it for me. He does it for so many. And so does Chick-fil-A Whitehall. And so I just love how you guys are ending in the season bringing hope, comfort, celebration, inspiration. Can you tell us about some of the ways that you're, you're doing that and even how you even uh, think about those types of options and opportunities? How do you go about creating something like that? Yeah, so I think I'll start with the mindset. I think you have to um, – and it's a, hard, it's a hard place to be at. So I want to be here when I say this. So you can live out of a place of scarcity or you can live out of a place of abundance and um, try to live out of a place of abundance <clears throat> and, and try to be, be smart in the way that I approach that. But what I mean by that is you live 
you often play scared, live scared, live out of fear, aren't generous. And there's sometimes natural things that kind of come in, you know, economy, uh, you know, governor telling you that, you know, half of your business won't be open, et cetera, et cetera. Gone. But abundance on the other end uh, is a hope-filled mindset where it's, and we have so much to give and uh, we have, we have more than enough and we have more than enough. We have more than enough that we're going to be okay. And there is a level of hope and there's a level of faith that goes with that too. So I want to be clear with that, but some, some of that could be, um, you know, for me, the way it looked at, and it started like, in March, hard to believe, but I, I sometimes <laughs> one we did was, and I took it from a friend, so I want to give him credit, but we, you know, we, I knew that school was going to be canceled. So we, Hey, you know, we get the Chick-fil-A White Hall, myself, if anyone is in a need for school lunches, you know, please reach out. We'd love to try to meet a need, meet the need. And so we got a lot of people that engage us with that. Um, then we um, were able to do things with just uh, feeding nurses and doctors. We did show your ID, get a free sandwich for anybody in the medical community. Class of 2020, we did the same thing for them as well. And then um, there's just some other things we've done throughout, you know, where we try to promote another um, person's business that was shut down. So another Chick-fil-A down the road. Hmm. Back to scarcity because scarcity versus abundance. So I could look at them as my competition or I could look at them as my ally and friend. And the reality is he's been shut down for two months. Um, an opportunity for me to show him love and grace and cheer him on. So we promoted the heck out of him. I don't know what the end result of all that is going to be, but the reality is that's not my job to, to worry about. My job is just to, to do the, the, the thing that I feel compelled to do. So, um, and then from a team standpoint, we, man, uh, we filled the, the condiment stands with candy, we had a candy station. We brought in food for all the um, team members. We did a um, sign-up sheet where they could bring home catering meals for their families. Mm. Um, uh, cash bonuses for each employee that worked in the month of April. Um, you know, we try to just just show them love because we know that it's, it's no small sacrifice what they're doing. And the reality too is every customer that comes in and every team member that comes in is not only carrying themselves, they're carrying a family with them they're carrying friends they're carrying it's like easy to look at like it's easy to look at joseph right now but joseph carrying his wife his son mother in law he's carrying a lot of other people with him as he walks in this door ends in this meeting and so i think that i think another thing um that i really try to do aggressively is uh because i didn't know what was going to go down but i just felt like this is something i do is just do prayer walks around the building so mm -hmm. I pray around the, the, the restaurant, I pray for, for abundance, for wisdom, for clarity, for the city, mm -hmm. for the employees, for their families, for health. And I'd go in the store and I would um, actually, I would, this is just how Joseph could give some more biblical context, but I would anoint it with some oil. <laughs> I would go to the drive-thru and I would pray for the drive-thru cocktail. I would go to the kitchen. I would do the same thing. And, I would do that with some with some high level frequency, 
And it's just reality is, you know, I just came to the place where, man, this seems so impossible for me, but it's not impossible for you. And back at the book of Zechariah, it says that um, it's not by strength, not by my, but by my spirit declares the Lord. And so the essential reality is we can't, but God can. Mm-hmm. Whatever we're facing, um, God can. And so I think the reality is we, we know that no matter what, um, we're facing in these situations, he goes with us, but also Whitehall, Chick-fil-A Whitehall exists because the people of Whitehall support us day in and day out in the light Lehigh Valley, but also because our team members go up and give what they can give and uh, do their best. And so they're the heroes and we just want to do everything we can to acknowledge them. So, yeah. And I, I would say too, anything you can, uh, do to brighten the morale of both those in the community, those that work with you or for you and those you serve, I think is really important. I read this quote yesterday. It was one of our old uh, high school uh, classmates. And it just is a simple quote. It says this, be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. Be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. And I, I think for, for John and I, I know just from our own vantage point, our goal is to join what God's doing. You know, we want to we work with God. You know, we, we have a personal relationship with him as our Heavenly Father. And as John talks about praying and even uh, serving those in, in our community and those we work with and those customers, I mean, we're, we're doing that because we really believe that there's a God who sees people and cares for them deeply. And um, through what Jesus has done, we want to we want to join Jesus. Like we, you know, we're called in John fifteen his friend. And so when when we walk as the friends of Jesus, that means we're going to care for what he cares about. And Jesus, he said a lot of things um, for sure, and, and he models the way of, of life. But he also modeled um, this idea of what John talked about with prayer. So he could hear what his heavenly father would actually ask him to do. And then he would go and do it. You know, he would care and serve the people's needs. But he, he also had a healthy rhythm of, of pulling away so that he could assess what the father had for him. And I think we need to do that as well. We need to, we need to know that um, as we look at our own health, there's, there's rhythms of creating soul care. So that we can hear what our Heavenly Father says of us and that we can journey with Him and partner with Him and, and seeing things be restored and renewed. Um, and that starts with us, but then moves from, with, from outside of us into others. And then as we partner with God and we see that we're called His sons and daughters and we're friends with Jesus, then we're, we're able to, to bring comfort and, and hope and healing and relief. And I think sometimes what we try to do is we try to be what somebody else says we should be or we think we should be. But I love how Jesus models for us. He was exactly who his heavenly father asked him to be. And I want to encourage you, even as you think about this, and I know not everybody who listens to this is a follower of Jesus, but to consider that God has something specific for you. And he's not asking you to be anybody else but who he's intended you to be. And from that place to give what you are asked to give. And I love John's idea of abundance and scarcity, but oftentimes we, 
we can really try to give what we don't have. And that's not what John's talking about. John's talking about, no, no, no. It's going to hurt at times to give. <laughs> so that's not what we're talking about. But we're, we're talking about the idea that, hey, we're going to give from, from what we have been given. We, we're going to give generously because we've been given much. And we're going to be faithful with that. And so I think it's just really important even to discern what, what God's asking you to give with your time and your talents and your treasures. It's just like the idea of your money and your resources. You know, what's he asking you to do? Um, and do that, you know, you don't, you don't have to be doing it exactly like a John or myself would do it. But, but I think the, the important thing is not to miss what your father in heaven says about you and has for you, because it is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, those are the words of Jesus. And I think a lot of times we hear that, oh yeah, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, Merry Christmas. No, what's he saying? <laughs> There's more joy when we give than when we hold on. You know, and as much joy as we bring to others, we actually reap the benefit when we give. And it's not out of a selfish motivation that we do it, but we want to do it open-handedly. And so, John, I, I appreciate the fact that you model that so well, and your team does a great job with that. And, uh, yeah, man, is there anything else you wanted to add to our, this conversation or any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think uh... – the last thing I would just say is um, it's going to sound very simplistic, but just be faithful where you are and faithful in the small things that you currently have right now, you know, faithful in the small faithfulness in the small often yields uh, bigger opportunities and bigger things that we can get in our lives. And um, it's just a, a very simple principle, but how can I be faithful with today? How can I be faithful with a moment that I got? and the minutes that I have. And, you know, I think, um, you know, as you kind of process through all that, just know that um, there's a God who's really faithful to us that loves us and that's for you. And it's got a good, good giant plan for your life. And so I just want to encourage you guys with all that. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Be faithful. God and where you are. That's right. Cause a lot of little faithfulness will lead to you a lot of fruitfulness. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think what John was saying early on about what they planned two years ago and all the steps they took, you're seeing fruit come from that. And I can see that in my own, my own story and journey as well. Um, and again, we're not perfect by any means. We're, we're still learning and growing and improving as we go through. There's a lot you don't know about this COVID thing. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's the one thing that's certain. Uh, everybody's uncertain. All right. That's one, <laughs> that's one thing that is definitely certain. So John, I wanted to ask you one final question. How can people connect with you? Uh, what's, what's the best way? To do that? Uh, you can follow me on all social media channels, uh, Facebook, uh, John Velarde. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's Orlando, John Velarde. And um, you can, you know, find me, on Instagram as well. So at John Velarde, well, one, two, one, two or 12. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you can connect with me on any of those platforms. So I'd love to connect with you in any way possible to be of any service that it can be. And uh, love to connect. Yeah, and uh, if you want a good study on uh, being for the area you're in, 
also follow their uh, Chick-fil-A Whitehall pages as well. So they have the Facebook page and Instagram. See, Instagram is SCFA Whitehall. SCFA Whitehall. Hey, thanks, John, for being on the podcast. This was fun. It's always good to see you, man. And uh, always good to hear your, your wisdom and your thoughts. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, keep up the great work, Joseph. How do you? Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 